FGC Hollywood. Stay classy. All right, I need to waste some time for this intro music to play. So here are some riddles I found online. Check this out. What is so fragile that saying its name breaks it? Silence. <laughs> That's a good one. Here's another one. What can run but never walk? Has a mouth but never talks? Has a head but never weeps? Has a bed but never sleeps? A river. I didn't know that one. That one was hard. All right, one more. This one's easier. What can fill a room but takes up no space? Light. All right, welcome back, everybody. I don't know what I did with my hands there. That was weird. But uh, here we are. FGC Hollywood, episode 47. Fighting a podcast. How about that? It's been a little while. Not exactly two weeks, but pretty close. I'm here with a new look. And uh, yeah, I'm all about new looks. Last time it was a new look. Today's a new look for the video listeners. Audio listeners, nothing has changed. Still my voice. Still here, me by my lonesome. And yeah, should be a, an somewhat of an interesting episode. I got some stuff to talk about. Some announcements. Some goodies. But yeah, for uh, the video watchers of this podcast, this is going to be the, I guess, uh, new look for the podcast, as well as other content. I finally have my little space here. Same basement, different room. And yeah, a lot to talk about. And look at this. I even got Eno right next to me. Look how cool she is. And also, I have this. I don't have the magnet yet. Oh, no, I'm too oh, far away from the mic. You guys can't hear me. There we go. So uh, for the video watchers, I have Narukami right here. That's going to be here on the wall. And eventually, I'll have my uh, two, two of my favorite characters right next to me. And uh, yeah, that should be pretty fun. Sorry. I'm, uh, I'm so excited. I'm getting away from the mic. That's the, uh, a no-no uh, in the podcasting world. But uh, anyway... Welcome back, everybody. I know I'm rambling, but it wouldn't be a TMP-style FGC Hollywood podcast without your host, myself, Max Splicer, rambling. Uh, if this is your first time listening to FGC Hollywood, a fighting game podcast, welcome, welcome. Thank you for listening. My name is Max Splicer, as I just mentioned. I talk about fighting games. Now it's going to be every two weeks. It used to be weekly. Now it's going to be every two weeks. And uh, yeah, this is FGC Hollywood. We've got a lot to talk about. For everybody who's returning, thank you for coming back. Hopefully I didn't, uh, you know, shoo you off with previous podcasts. I know that happens sometimes. Sometimes you listen to a podcast and it becomes a little too samey. And then you're like, you know what, let me take a break from this show because it's kind of becoming just the same. Every week I listen and it's just the same old thing. And I try not to do that. Sometimes, you know, you can't help it. You're a person. You're going to have the same opinions all the time. Usually, right? So, uh, yeah. I know some people hop on, and then they're like, oh, Max still talking about Amori and Persona 4. Let me come back when he's talking about something else. Don't worry, I won't talk about that those stuff uh, today. Well, maybe a little bit. But anyway, we're here. We got some announcements. We got some housekeeping, and we got uh, a new setup. So for the people that are listening to this on the audio platform, nothing should change, hopefully. But here on the video platform, I am recording this a little differently than I am normally. So if you see any quality dips in the video, I apologize. I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm not a pro streamer yet, but I'm using streamer strats. So we'll see how that goes. But anyway, we got some announcements. The first one is, uh, you know, I was supposed to be on the road this week, but uh, it didn't work out because scheduling mishaps. So I did this whole new studio thing. 
And um yeah. We're we're gonna go uh to a bi-weekly schedule. I guess we already have started, but before we go to a bi-weekly schedule, we're gonna take a break. I know it's uh we take a lot of breaks on this podcast, but it's okay. Uh, things happen in the world. I'm going to be on the road for the next three to four months. Or not months, no, no, weeks. So uh, for about a month, I'll probably be on the road. And this is the final trip for this project. So I don't foresee any more road trips for quite a while. So we're going to take a break for maybe like three weeks to a month, which um, basically we're just going to miss a show if by, the, by our bi-weekly standard. But the good news is, is this is the final TMP-esque Hollywood show. So this is the final show that you'll have just me on the podcast. Uh, moving forward, the show is going to go back to its original format of having a uh, uh, two co-hosts, me and another person. And uh, yeah, this is the end of the Max Splicer podcast on FGC Hollywood. It's been a good time. Seven episodes. I recorded seven of these by myself. But uh, yeah, moving forward, we'll be back with, with co-hosts. And for now, I believe it's going to be just broken but uh you know what i'll i'll get i'll get to the show format um here in a second first thing why are we moving to a bi-weekly schedule slash uh co-host no more tmp episodes is because my internet's finally been upgraded for the last eight months i've been complaining to you guys that i have crappy internet i had the worst internet on planet earth and finally no more. I actually have good internet, and I'm wired. No more Wi-Fi. I'm not a Wi-Fi warrior. No more Wi-Fi till March. Sorry. Here I am with some wired internet straight to the modem. How about that? So I've been uh, been having fun. Been having fun downloading stuff, updating my Steam games because I can, playing online. Man, it's been a good time. So it's finally come to this. So what does this mean? Um, I want to start... FGC Hollywood Lobby Nights, of course. I've been talking about that forever. I want to do monthlies, tournaments, and our Discord. So those will kick off soon after we I come back from the road. Um, FGC Hollywood Plus will be kicking off with its original plan format, right? So I, I always wanted that that show to be with guests. And uh, finally, I can do it. Now with, with good connection, I can finally do it. And... As I mentioned before, FGC Hollywood, this show you're listening to, will return to its normal format, which, um, yeah, there is going to be a bit of a kicker, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But lastly, I can finally stream. So everything I just mentioned, I can stream. I don't know about FGC Hollywood Plus because of the fact that you have to schedule guests on, and I don't know how that's going to work with streaming, live stream. I want to make sure that the audio is all good. But, uh, yeah, I can finally make different types of content and um, get into some sort of a groove, schedule groove. And yeah, it should be should be good. So as far as the kicker, as I mentioned, for FGC Hollywood, by the way, it's really cold in here. So if, if you see me like rubbing my hands or whatever, if you hear this on a mic, I'm sorry. It's uh, this room in the basement is much colder than the other room I was recording in. So uh, that's why I'm I'm all bundled up. I got a lot of my I got my beanie. I got uh, my my turtleneck, my jacket on. It's cold. It's so cold in this basement. I, I mean, I mean, I'm underground, so it should be cold, but. Uh, yeah, I apologize for that if you hear me um, sniffing and stuff. But anyway, the kicker for FGC Hollywood, moving forward. So as I mentioned, um, I need a co-host for FGC Hollywood, obviously. And usually it's Pringle, but uh, moving forward, it's going to be Broken Wing, usually our third seat on this podcast. So Broken Wing and I will host the show once 
every two weeks until Pringle can uh, rejoin the show. Um, no timeline yet. Um, I just I don't know when he's going to come back. There's not not a hair like a hard set date, but uh, whenever he's ready, you know, when when Pringle's ready and he can return the show, uh, we'll gladly have him back, and we'll be here. We'll probably try to three-man the show after Pringle comes back. But for now, it's just going to be Broken Wing and I once every two weeks. And then to fill the void, it'll be FGC Hollywood Plus, which will go on Patreon as well as on YouTube um, at different times. So that's just something for the people who support FGC Hollywood on uh, Patreon, which I appreciate. Every month you guys come through with your questions, with your support. Much appreciated. And... um, yeah, the kicker is, outside of Broken Wing, sort of taking the second seat for the time being, is um, we're going to start streaming the podcast on Twitch. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a bit of a change. You know, right now I'm using this, the, the Twitch format, except I'm recording. I'm not streaming this episode in particular, but I am going to start streaming the podcast. Now, worry not, because nothing is going to change format-wise as far as how the audio listeners listen to the show. I prioritize the audio platforms much more than I do the video platforms. No offense to the video watchers, but this is a podcast. And first and foremost, I want to make sure that the audio is good. The people are not feeling left out. I don't want to be talking to chat, for example, in in an audio podcast. So format is going to be all the same. It's going to be the same show that you're used to talking about different things. Segments are going to remain the same. It's It's just going to be live streamed. And yeah, it's uh, it's not an interactive podcast, so it's still very much the same thing. Uh, it's just going to give another way for people to tune in, basically. We will uh, open the door eventually once we get comfortable with live streaming the podcast and try to get a rotating third seat until Pringle gets back. And so I figured I'd announce this. Hey, if you're comfortable with talking about fighting games and you think you got what it takes, uh, first of all, come join FGC Hollywood, our Discord. I'll make sure to put the link in the uh, YouTube description, or I guess in the comments of this video. I'll pin that. And uh, yeah, hit us up. See see if you got what, to say, what, what it takes to talk for a while. <clears throat> Something that I can't do very well. Sorry, I need some water. Oh, man, it's been a while. It's been like 11 days since I last recorded. And uh, I feel it. So, yeah, you can hit me up on Twitter, Broken Wing on Twitter, and we can see where it goes. But, yeah, I'd like to kind of involve the community a little bit more. So, obviously, people in FGC Hollywood right now, if you want to talk and you think you got what it takes, let me know. I'd like to get a a rotating third seat. And uh, we can go through the show format with another guest and get another opinion. I I think it would be cool. Get a different perspective on things. So yeah, some some moving parts for the show, right? So uh, again, the big parts is Broken Wing will take over Pringle's seat until Pringle is ready to to come back to the show. We will stream the show, and the segments will remain the same. So audio format is not going to change whatsoever. And we would like to incorporate a rotating third seat that's a part of the community. And so uh, yeah, those are the big changes coming to FGC Hollywood. Now that I have good internet, I can finally afford to do something of that nature. So I'm I'm really excited. I, I think I think it's pretty good. And yeah, so that's pretty much it for the big changes, right? And outside of that, I haven't been doing much. You know, I've been kind of 
I know last last podcast was weird. Um, I felt it was really emotional on last podcast, and I had a lot of things going on. I think I was. I think that was the podcast I was talking about my seasonal depression, and it hasn't lifted yet. But I think it's um, it's it's gonna soon. I feel it, right? I think I'm starting to stack stack uh, good behaviorism. I'm starting to eat a little healthier. I haven't started really working out yet. Truly, I've been going on walks, and obviously, I'm working. But um, yeah, I think it's uh, slowly but surely I'm getting out of it. Finally, the snow is melting here, so it's been nice. And yeah, what a, I don't know what else I've been doing. I watched Spooderman, the Spider-Man movie, uh, No Way Home. That was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the movie for what it was. But you know, I think I enjoyed it for what I thought it was going to be. And, you know, nothing against Tom Holland. He seemed like a nice guy. But I don't like his version of Spider-Man. It's just not the Spider-Man that I grew up with, the cartoon series and the Tobey Maguire films. Not exactly what I envisioned Spider-Man to be. So I watched that. There's a great video on YouTube that recaps all of the Spider-Man movies, as well as some of the Marvel films, like the Avengers and stuff, to catch you up to No Way Home. So I watched that. It's like 95 minutes, and you save like, you know, eight hours of watching movies in 90 minutes. And it caught me up all the way to No Way Home, and I was like, man, now I know what's going on. So when I watched No Way Home, I was like, damn, I know exactly what's happening. But yeah, his uh, his Spider-Man, I just don't like his universe. I don't, I don't really like... The whole high school scene, I guess because I'm not in high school anymore. It's been, you know, 10 years since I've been in high school. And his friends are like, his friends and his girlfriend are are, are too involved in like Spidey business. And it's just like teenager problems. And it just doesn't speak to me. So I thought that was, that was the weakest part of the film in No Way Home. And I'm, I'm assuming it was probably the weakest part of the film in the other movie. But uh, yeah, I didn't like that. Now, spoilers for No Way Home. So fast forward like a minute if you don't want spoilers. I thought that Tobey Maguire and and Andrew Garfield's versions of Spider-Man were much better. And they were presented that way in No Way Home. I I, I really like them, especially Tobey. Tobey is the the man. Uh, You know, there's a struggle there. There's a true struggle there that Spider-Man goes through, as he should. And uh, they just seem more polished characters. So I, I enjoyed them way more. But yeah, I think uh, personally I love Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man the most. I think his universe is, is the best one. And I think he was he was really fun in the movie. Uh, the villains that were a part of his universe showing up in the movie were great. Um, I got to say, Willem Dafoe is such an amazing actor. He's so good. He's he's amazing. He, he really captures the sense of being like... Uh, a two-faced villain. He's so good at manipulating on screen. Um, yeah, he's he's great. He's such a, a perfect fit for the Green Goblin, even all these years later. And I love the fact that they brought back like all these like uh, famous quotes from from the previous Spider-Man films. It was great. It was, it was a fun movie. But um, Willem Dafoe, man, he really carried he really carried that movie. He's, he was great. But yeah, uh, solid solid movie. I gotta say. I, I think it was good. I probably wouldn't watch it again because of it. It was good for the parts that like nostalgia, right? Not for the movie itself. So I think it's like a six point five out of ten for me personally. Like good, not great. 
6.5, I think, is respectable. Like, it's a, it's, I don't feel like my time was wasted, but I wouldn't particularly watch it again. So, yeah, that's what, that, that was, that was pretty fun. I, I enjoyed that movie. And, uh, I definitely watched it legally. So, I did go to a theater. Anyway, what am I been playing? Last week I told you guys I was playing, uh, Lisa the Painful. Uh, no, not anymore. You know? Lisa the not for me. You know, I played a few more hours of Lisa the Painful, and I was like, man, this is just not my cup of tea. It's too dark. It's too... I don't know what's what the word is. Campy? Uh, I, not my style of writing. I, it's not that it's bad. It's not a bad game. It's interesting. I said that last time, too, that it was interesting. But it's not the type of narrative that I'm looking for. It's a little too campy for my... For my liking. And uh, I don't even know if campy is the right word. It's just it's just out there. And it's deep, but not the way I like to explore narrative in games. So yeah, it's just not my cup of tea. I, I stopped playing it. Um, I read a lot about it, and it sounds interesting. But uh, not enough for me to play play the game. Um, yeah, so that was one that, you know, that, that game has a bunch of reviews saying, Oh my god, this is so great. I love this game. And... Well, I believe a lot of people, it just wasn't wasn't speaking to me. So I stopped playing it. Not my cup of tea. What I have been playing is a little bit of Hades. Uh, shout out to Altilla. He gifted me Hades like years ago, I think, whenever that game first came out. And I've been playing that. I've been playing that on an arcade stick. Actually, this one right here. And uh, oh, okay, you guys can't see. Oh, there we go. Uh, this guy, that guy right there. And uh, yeah, I've been playing. Playing that a little bit. That's pretty fun. I'm not a huge roguelike guy, but uh, I like super giant games. I played Bastion back in the day. I never played Transistor or Spire, but uh, yeah, so far it's fun. I'm like an hour in, so nothing crazy. And as far as fighting games, I've been playing a lot of fighting games uh, just because I've been loving my internet, right? So I'm playing all these fighting games. Play TFH. Man, I love TFH. It's so fun. And, like, I'm not as, you know, it's so weird. Like, I thought I would hop on TFH after kind of, like, not a long time. But, you know, I'm still rusty. And I did okay. Man, I love the fact the that anti-airing in that game rewards you. It's such, it's one of my favorite things of fighting games is that when you anti-air, like, somebody jumps at you and you anti-air and you get rewarded. Man, I love that. I could lose, like, a million matches in a row. But if I anti-air and get rewarded correctly on every single round, man, I'm, that's so fun to me. That's 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 like my funnest. Uh, I love that. It's just so, it's such a great reward in fighting games. I love it. So I've been playing TFH. I got bodied by this uh, Palm player. Jesus, I didn't know how to block any of that. But I took two games out of five, I think. Or no, out of seven. He beat me 5-2. And yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Uh, I felt like I leveled up a little bit. Uh, so that was good. I've been playing Strive. Strive's been fun. I've been, I, Strive's another example of like people jumping at you, and I just do five uh, five P, right? I, I always forget the notations for Strive. Six P. Sorry, sorry. Six P. Yeah, you do six P with Eno the guitar. Boom. And then I get out of here biking, and then I do Chemical Love. I don't know any combos in that game. And I kind of realized that I think that the, for me personally, the tower system, I don't think it's scaled correctly. I was talking about this a little bit in Discord. I'm trash at the game. 
and I'm already at tower 10. And I really think that my level, I don't know any, com I know two combos and I know a little bit of neutral, but I don't know any matchups or anything. And I'm kind of just skating by Eno doing Eno things. And uh, I, I think people are just really bad. I mean, I'm really bad too, but I think tower 10 shouldn't be filled with a bunch of scrubs like us. Like I probably should be around tower six or so. And then I think it should get higher. The, the issue that I don't want happening with Strive, because I am actually am enjoying it, I've been playing it a bit, and uh, the netcode's really good. I don't want it to be to, to get to like a TFH level. And that's more of a population problem, not so much of the ranking system, is that uh, I can go on TFH now and I completely destroy newbies. They can't fight. But then I'll play somebody who actually knows what they're doing, and then I get destroyed. Just equally as bad. So I don't like that in Strive. Like, let's say if I get a Celestial and then I can't play because I'm just getting bodied left and right, then I go back to 10th floor and then I body everybody there because they all suck. And then I, I'm not learning, right? I either get bodied really bad or I body really bad. And then you don't learn either way. I just, I want to play like eye level. I want some back and forth. You know, I figure out something about you. You figure out about something about me. And then we try to play, play some chess. So we'll see. I haven't gotten to Celestial yet. So, I mean, TBD. But yeah, Strive's been fun. I've actually been really enjoying Strive. After a long time away from it, coming back and playing, good times. Um, the game feels better, too. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because I haven't played it for a long time, but, like, the things that annoyed me about Strive previously... I mean, I still don't like the, like, push. Like, you know, wall, 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 forward, forward, forward. And people are still animals in that game. But, like, it doesn't bother me as much. Like, I've almost kind of conceded that fact, and I'm like, all right, let's party. Let's play. So I've been having a good time. Um, also, it feels faster. I don't know if that's Eno. She feels faster, so she feels better to play. I'm actually enjoying her more. Beforehand, I wasn't playing as much Eno. I was playing a lot of Potemkin. Uh, but now that she's a little faster, and she's really good, I think. So, yeah, so that's been a thing. But, yeah, Stride's been fun. I played Tekken 7 for the first time in a long time on actual good netcode. Shout out to Snowflake. Um, I used to play him on Wi-Fi, and it was bad. And then I played some ranked. I know ranked Tekken is awful, but I played some ranked, and man, that game is great. Uh, I have to say, I it, this is I don't know. Is this a hot take? Tekken 7, it's 2022. Tekken 7 still might be the best fighting game out there. I'm not, there's no cap. Like, it might still be the best, like, I was playing it, and I was like, man, this game is is just great. Like, it's just great. It's it's polished. The netcode, you know, not true rollback, but if you're wired and you're playing against somebody relatively close, hopefully, it works fairly decent. Characters are great. And, um, yeah, it shows its age with just its polish, I think. Like, it's a veteran game, right? It's not a new game trying to figure out new things. You know what you're getting into with Tekken. And what you're getting into with it is fun, at least at the level that I'm at, where I'm not, like, super high level, where I'm, you know, playing hundreds of death matches against top-level competition, but I'm also not in that you know, lower tier echelon of like green, yellow, whatever that is, orange rank. And, 
you know, we're just kind of playing just mashy and just throwing out strings and stuff. Uh, it's it's fun playing Tekken when you're moving, when you're trying to figure out the holes in the string, where to duck, where to parry, and what to, what to punish with. Yeah, uh, Tekken, I, I, I still think it might be the best fighting game that we have currently in the scene, even though it's one of the oldest ones as well. So yeah, so that's been pretty good. I've been playing that. And yeah, that's pretty much it, I think. I, obviously, I still play Melty every night, about an hour every night. And that's still good on um, on wired connection. Getting a little bit better. But that game, I think, is also similar to TFH. A little hard to learn in that game. People are either too too good or just too trash. So it's weird being like an intermediate player in that game. But uh, it's still fun. I still really enjoy it. And uh, I'll probably get back to playing more Melty now. Especially if I can get some people in Hollywood to play it. So come join our Discord. Fun game. But yeah, that's it. That's all I've been playing. Oh, by the way, I've been selling Steam cards. Uh, I forgot about that. The, there's a market on Steam. And I had all these cards from the games that I played right throughout the years. And I had hella cards. And I was like, damn, let me put these on a market. And I put like 80 listings on a market. I made like, I don't know, like a dollar so far. Like, hell yeah. Six cents here, two cents there. I feel like uh, I'm selling NFTs. But yeah, I don't want those badges. So give me your monies. So that's been pretty fun. I I, lo- I log into Steam and look at my little wallet, see if I sold anything. That's been cool. Yeah. That's that's all. That's all I've been doing. Not super exciting, I know. But, you know, I, I've been enjoying it. It's, it's been cool. But yeah, um, I figured I'd get to this now, right? Before I don't want to talk too much, so let's just uh, let's just get this over with. So last week was an interesting week, right? On the podcast, I went at it in hindsight a little bit too far with the Persona Fight Club, the whole beef, quote unquote, if you want to call it that. And, you know, it's been a week plus, almost like 10 days now, more than that, 12 days. And I took some time to reflect on on the whole thing. I didn't rewatch the video, or, but I, I didn't want to rewatch the video because in my head, the way it played out, and I was like, hmm, probably shouldn't have said that. And I didn't look at the comments for the longest time until yesterday. Uh so yeah, so it's been a while. So I've been removed from the whole situation <laughs> for a while. And now that like, you know, dust has settled somewhat, I looked back at it and I was like, you know what? I want to take some things back. Not everything, but a lot of what I said in that video, not a lot, you know, things that I said in that video still stand in my opinion. And that's just how I feel. That was just me being honest. But I do want to take back the personal insults. If I could, uh, that is just me reflecting. I was like, you know, that wasn't right. You know, telling those dudes to go fuck themselves. Um, probably not the classiest of moves. That was more just me being really emotional at the time. And yeah, that was, that wasn't cool on my end. By the way, uh, master studs army came in full force. That was pretty funny. That, that made me laugh. There's a bunch of commenters being like, 
Master Stud gets pee or whatever. I don't know what they said. It was pretty funny. Uh, There's like a bunch of them. And uh, yeah, I wanted to apologize for that. So Chris, uh, who's the admin over there, and the other guy who I called out, Daraban, who was one of the commenters uh, as well. Yeah, I apologize for for saying those things to you guys. That was just me being emotional. Uh, yeah, and as well as what I said about that Discord, you know, I, I, I painted that Discord with a really wide brush. Uh, I shouldn't have done that. That's not really what I intended to do. So for that, I do apologize. Um, I just came at it from an emotional place. And, you know, looking back at it, I should have chilled. I think I was harboring a lot of resentment from years of uh, dealing with the Persona community, especially in that whole story that I was talking about Execution Squad. And then, you know, I had issues with forums and just people talking talking about Persona. Um, and I took it out on the Persona Fight Club because it, like, erected all these old feelings that I had, I guess, resurrected, right? And uh, so I took it out on them. Now, listen, I'm doing this because I want to do this. No, no, don't get this twisted. Nobody from the Persona Fight Club came at me. Actually, I haven't heard anything since that whole video, since the whole ordeal. Not a word, really. Um, I mean, I did block a couple of those guys on Twitter, which I will unblock. But uh, yeah, I haven't heard anything from those guys. And you know, whether or not they want to take responsibility for a little bit of what happened there and what transpired, uh, it doesn't matter to me. Like it, It is what it is. I wanted to make sure to do my part and apologize for what I said, the the insults mostly. Um, that's you know, I wanted to 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 make sure I do my part in that. I'm not really trying to start wars on the internet or build up any narratives against any discords and all that junk, you know, all the Twitter drama. On my end, it's done. It it it's done. So. This is me apologizing for being a jerk and a bit of a Twitter monster towards the end of that video. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm just not looking to really make enemies. So, I'm just too old for that stuff. You know, I'm too old. Like, there's no point. Now, listen, I'm me and the Persona Fight Club, we're not going to be friends. We're not going to be friends. It's not not gonna happen. I I don't I don't think that that is my crowd, and I don't think I am their type of person. But we don't have to be enemies either, so I think we can just kind of squash it. At least on my end, I'm gonna move on with my life. Um, I'm sure they'll move on with theirs if they already haven't already. So I'm pretty sure it's buried. And um, yeah, I just don't want to. I don't really care to talk about stuff like that. And uh, it did sit with me. Like a couple of days afterwards, I was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. And regardless of whether or not, you know, those guys, I know some of those guys were saying, I didn't even say anything to you. I was like, well, you know, we, uh, what I don't want to get into it too much, but like, listen, the Persona Fight Club had a huge platform. It still does, right? Like, I think like 4,000, 5,000 people. So when you say something on a platform like that, despite the fact that it's sort of private, it's a large private platform. And a lot of people see it, so when you slander somebody's name in a platform like that, it's it's almost bigger than this YouTube channel that this podcast goes on. So, or at least that this clip goes on. So, regardless, um, I'm cool. That's uh, 
that's all I wanted to say. On my end, it's buried. I just want to take ownership of that. I apologize for the slurs, for the mean words, for painting your Discord in a wide brush saying you guys are shitheads or whatever. Um, that's uh, that's my bad. And for the FGC Hollywood community, um, I am sorry that I took it to that level. You know, I normally... I don't try to set examples for people, but I also know that in this sort of age and time we live in, that anytime you're on camera and you put yourself on the internet to a community of people, you do set an examples. So, um, yeah, I don't want this to be the norm. Like, this was a once and hopefully never happens again that I do something like that. Um and I just want to set the record straight that, like, me as, like, the head of FGC Hollywood, at least this community, this is not something that I accept from myself or from anybody else. So for that, I apologize. For the Persona Fight Club beef, I apologize. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. On my end, the beef is over. And whether they accept this or not, that's up to them. But uh, I'm good with the Persona Fight Club. And I'm good with... Uh, moving on with my life and uh, burying the hatchet. So that's it. And yeah, now, after all that, we can get to um, some funny game news. Round one, FGC News. All right, hopefully that played correctly because, like I told you, this is different and I'm recording this a little differently. So hopefully everything is all right. It seems to be okay. Hopefully the audio is good. And here we are. We got some news this week. Three items, actually. I'm late on a couple of them. Hella late, actually, on this one. But uh, it's okay. That's what happens when you record bi-weekly. You're going to be late on some things, early on others. So let's start with the late one. On January 31st, 2022, SNK announced the first wave of DLC characters to be added to the game as part of the Team Pass 1 content for the game. That was a tongue twister. The team, the first one at least, was Team Garo, featuring Rock Howard, B. Janet, and Gato from the SNK fighting game Garo, Mark of the Wolves. By the way, I've been playing that as well, too. That's been fun. I think this is a solid team. I like Garo. At least I like their characters. Some of them. I'm not a huge Rock Howard fan, to be honest. I don't care for Rock. He's cool, I guess, but like, just not my cup of tea. But, you know, obviously, if there's going to be a Team Garo, he has to be in it. So, I'm cool with that. Rest in peace, peace uh, what's his name? Dong Juan, right? Rest in peace, Kim. Where's Kim at, man? He's ripped. But yeah, so Team Garo, that's the first DLC, that's cool. The second team was revealed to be Team Southtown, featuring Geese Howard, Billy Kane, and Ryuji Yamazaki. They should have just called those guys uh, Team Well-Dressed. All of them got, like, the coat, the suits. Billy's got his shirt open. They're very, uh, very well-dressed men. They're going to, like, I don't know. What kind of party would you go dressed like that? Not business. Like, half business, half pleasure. Anyway, they're, uh, they're going to steal your girl, for sure. But anyway, we got some dates. So, uh, release dates for the team's are currently tentative, but at least we have some windows. So 
March 2022 release window for Team Garo and May 2022 release window for Team Southtown. SNK also included a roadmap for future rollout featuring uh, Team 3, which is expected to release in the summer, while Team 4 is planned to release in autumn of this year. Players can purchase Team 3 and Team 4 as part of Team Pass 2 bundle. So that's cool. I like roadmaps. I like when they are transparent with how they want to roll out content and DLC. So that's pretty cool. Um, good. Good job, SNK. I know I'm not a, an SNK official influencer, but uh, I, I do like roadmaps. Uh, last but not least, for those that missed it, the KOF 15 Omega Edition is available to North America now, which is great. I could only find it through GameStop, which is a little bit of a bummer. I couldn't find it through Amazon or like Best Buy or anything, but uh, I'm not a huge GameSpot or GameSpot. <laughs> I'm not a huge GameStop fan. But regardless, uh, it's looking to be a pretty good deal now that you consider the DLC that's coming with it. So uh, here's what you get with the Omega Edition, which is going to be available on February 17th, 2022. It comes with 119-page art book DLC for the first two teams, which I just mentioned. Two extra costumes for Leona and Terry, the physical soundtrack, three lithographs, one of Joe and Terry, one of Mai, and one of Iori, and uh, that's all $90 at GameStop. So you can get that. Pretty good deal. If you considered, first of all, the lithographs, the soundtrack, it's all physical, an art book, and the fact that it's bundling those teams. I know it's technically six characters, but if you think about it in regular fighting game terms, it's two characters because they're bringing teams and uh well actually no not really because i guess they're all standalone characters but it's not they're not like super complex actually um there's not like there's that many complex games anymore at least characters anyway forget that six characters pretty good deal so yeah that's uh kof 15 hoping to run a tournament for that depending on if we actually get people to play it in Hollywood. A lot of people like to say, oh, I'll play this game. Will you? Will you play the game? I don't know about that. Join FGC Hollywood Discord. See if you got these hands. Yeah. But I do think it's a cool game. If there is a huge push in Hollywood, I know I said I won't buy this game um, at full price, but if there's a huge push in Hollywood to play the game, I will just to run the tournament for it. So we'll see. We'll see what the what the uh the people of hollywood say but that's cool 90 bucks for that whole bundle and we get b janet i like b janet she's cool she is cool jenny jenny Byrne. um this is something that i don't think a lot of people are going to talk about because they only talk about the big stuff and here at fgc hollywood we believe in the small man the small man the little guy Duelist of Eden. Have you guys heard of this? Of course you haven't, because nobody talks about this stuff, except for me. So on February 8th, 2022, video game developer Thomas Moon Kang, that's a, that's a powerful name, Thomas Moon Kang, announced a new game dubbed Duelist of Eden, a deck-based fighting game, which is uh, right up the alley of the FGC. They love card games, I found, with the recent Yu-Gi-Oh! stuff. Anyway, um... The, the game will be using the combat mechanics from One Step from Eden, a strategic deck building and real-time action with roguelike elements game that was released in March of 2020, right in the pandemic. That's why nobody's heard of this. 
uh, taking place right after the events of One Step from Eden. Duelist of Eden is set to release sometime in 2022 on Steam with a free-to-play model. But I did see that on that blog post, Thomas Moon Kang said, but this won't have a free-to-pay model. So he knows what's up. Anyway, there is a planned rollback netcode for the game, which is great. I don't know if this is GGPO, but there is planned rollback. Uh, among other modes like tutorial, training, and replay, fighting game. And yeah, it's a. Uh, there's no official trailer yet, but I know there's like nine characters from the One Step from Eden, and it's a pretty interesting game. You should check out the trailer for One Step from Eden. You can kind of understand what uh, what's going on there. I don't know if it's gonna take incorporate the exact same battle mechanic, or if this is gonna be an actual fighting game, or if it's gonna be a hybrid of a card game and a fighting game. But it looks cool. Uh, this is taken from the official website of the game. Quote, Duelists of Eden will allow players to fight in a mix of strategy and real-time action. Some players might find this game, this game's playstyle to be similar to that of Mega Man Battle Network. Players have to collect cards and create their own combination of spells to take down the competition. They also will have to create combos on the fly and adapt to the opponent's spells and the scenario the battle is set in. End quote. So yeah. It sounds like a hybrid to me. And yeah, last but not least, uh, the game is currently in pre-alpha testing with a beta planned for a date that has yet to been determined or announced. That's cool. I like uh, I like indie. I like indie in general. Music, games, fighting games especially. Shout out to Thomas Moon King. Putting his name in the mix. I like that. I'll, I'll look out for that. Duelist of Eden. I like the name a lot. The characters look cool. It's all pixel art. So yeah, check that out whenever that comes out. Sometime in 2022. I like it. We got one more news item. This is a short one. Blazing Strike. So on the same day, February 8th, 2022, Arxis, or Arxis, no, Axis Games announced that it will be holding a special live stream presentation to spotlight its upcoming selection of video games, among other things. Set for February 17th, 2022, Axis, Axis's Blazing Strike, the 90s arcade-style fighting game, is also mentioned to be present and showcased for the first time. We saw some trailers for this game, but not like actual showcasing. So, as of right now, there's no set release window for the game. However, there is a set uh, platform for 2022, or I guess targeted year of 2022, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, PC, Nintendo Switch are the platforms in mind for Blazing Strike. It looks kind of cool. It looks uh, very 90s. Or 90s? It looks very 90-ish. Arcade style, kind of like Darkstalkers, Third Strike. We'll see We'll see how this... First of all, let's see who this appeals to. Let's see if the boomers really show up to this game. Second of all, let's see how it plays. Could be jank, could be cool, could be nostalgia, could be whack. Axis, don't let me down. But I, I did see some people on Twitter be like, hey, this game looks neat. So let's see if they actually follow through and buy it. And yeah, that's all for the news, ladies and gents. Three items, pretty quick. Pretty quick. Looks like my, my program's still working fine. The audio should still be good. And yeah, now we can get to Topic of the Week. Round two, Topic of the Week. I got a dog hair in my water. Anyway, topic of the week. 
So this is, I like doing this whenever I get comments on the podcast, especially on the YouTube side, because that's the only place you can add comments, unless you're in the Discord, and then you go into the comment or uh, the podcast discussion tab or whatever. Um, this came from somebody on YouTube, and it has to do with the over-sexuality in fighting games. At least that's what I'm calling it. So last week on the podcast, I was talking about Biken. Or not last week, two weeks ago. Talking about Biken and her design and how it seems so out of place for such a cool character with that kind of personality and grit to have this unapologetic, like, sexual look about her, like, over-sexualized look with the giant chest and the walk. I, It's just weird. And certain animations, too. It didn't make sense to me. I was just like, I don't know. It was It was just weird. And it looked like she was in between two things. Being cool character and a waifu character at the same time. And then somewhere along the lines, I mentioned Blaze Blue, And I said, you know, that game specifically has a lot of over-sexualized female characters. Which at the time I thought was true. And so that comment caught the attention of a listener to this podcast on YouTube. By the name of Lapice. At least I think that's how you pronounce that. And uh, you know what? I actually seen this profile picture before. But I don't, that name doesn't ring a bell. So I don't know if they changed their name, perhaps, but I do recognize that profile picture. Anyway, the comment reads as such, quote, I personally feel that female characters that are heavily sexualized are common in many fighting games and isn't heavily exclusive to BlazBlue. End quote. Then they go on to give examples from games like Guilty Gear, the SNK game, Soul Calibur, DOA. And they finish off with this. In reality, how BlazBlue designs its female characters is really just the standard that's already been set by the, com- by the competitors. Rather, sorry, by its competitors. Now, whether you enjoy fan services or not is an entirely different story and is completely subjective. And there isn't a right or wrong to this. I'm not upset by this, by this any- by any way. Just thought I'd point this out. End quote. Very respectable comment. So, you know, when I was like, I was thinking to myself, I'm actually interested in finding out the facts, finding out the truth. Let's dig in. So it's not that I don't believe Lapice, but I was I was like, is the Blaze Blue portrayal of quote unquote over-sexualized female characters standard in terms of other games? Or is it above? Is it below? Where does it lie? I, I wanted to figure out. So I took a look at some games. Specifically, the games that he mentioned in his examples, or they, I don't know if it's a uh, guy or girl, or whatever pronoun, not trying to get canceled. Don't cancel me, please. They. Uh, So I wanted to look at, uh, on average, and try to get a percentage of female characters that I personally find over-sexualized in fighting games. Again, mind you, this is me going over these characters. It's going to be my opinion. You might not think one character is over-sexualized. So take this with a grain of salt. This is just how I find these characters. And I'll try to make an argument for why that is. But, I mean, feel free to disagree. So here are my parameters for this exercise specifically. I'm going to look at in-game models only because character art can be deceiving. Official character art, that is. None of that, none of that weeb stuff. I'm looking at you, Reddit and Twitter. Uh, I'm only going with the default costume because, you know, a lot of female characters look much sexier in 
you know, DLC costumes or alternate costumes. So default costumes only. And uh, sexy does not equal over sexualization. So you can be sexy, like just because a dress or an outfit complements the female figure or whatever, it doesn't mean that the character is over the top. I'm trying to think of a character like Anna Williams. Very, like, if you look at the dress that she's wearing, it's a very sexy dress. It's not like over sexualized. Although, Anna, you know, no, I'm kidding. Probably not. Well, she is kind of. But I'm, just look at the dress. The dress is really, it's a good looking dress. It, it complements her figure. But it's not over the top. It's not like, you know, she's not wearing anything. But, um, so that's one. Now, when it's deemed over the top in my eyes, it's when it's the first thing you notice about the character. You're not looking at her eyes. You know what you're looking at. And uh, so it has to be the focus point of the character's parts. Chest, butt. You know what I'm talking about. Uncovered skin that's like lewd in any way. Anyway, if it's your first impression of the character, if that's the first thing you see, then yeah, that's probably over-sexualized. Because it, the immediate attention goes to that. It's like, oh my god. Tell me when you look at bike and you look at her sword, get out of here. So anyway, outward appearance only, right? I can't do anything with their demeanor because you'll find characters that are extremely flirtatious or whatever, like Anna Williams, right? Super flirtatious. She's all about sex appeal, but the dress itself is pretty modest for Anna Williams standards, right? So um, yeah, I I can't really talk about their personality so much. So this is just going to be visual appearance only. I just don't want to muddy the list with uh, start looking at personalities and stuff. So those are the parameters. Now, we're going to take a look at the latest iteration of every single game that uh, Lapice brought up. So the first one we're going to take a look at is BlazBlue. Final iteration of BlazBlue, not the cross tag, because that's a culmination of a bunch of different games. We're going to take a look at BlazBlue Central Fiction. So here's some stats about BlazBlue Central Fiction. The game has 18 female characters, and I deem these as being the quote-unquote over-sexualized ones. Mai Natsume. Now, this is not a horrible example. I know people that play BlazBlue are like, how dare you? She is not over-sexualized. Listen, the front is actually decently covered. I'm okay with that. But whenever she turns around, she's hardly wearing anything. She, she's practically wearing a string. And a lot of her moves require you to turn around. She's a turnaround happy girl. So, come on. That's, uh, yeah. Next, we have Izanami. Now, Izanami is, she's not over the top in her design from a standpoint. But, man, look at those animations. A lot of those animations put her in very interesting positions, to say the least. And uh, those are some lewd pixels. Next one we have is Nine the Phantom. Now, the center point of this character is clearly the chest, right? Uh, she's not extremely revealing, ironically enough, but she definitely has sexy as the identity first and then whatever else is. Elements, I guess. So that's her trope is the sexy female. And uh, come on, you know, you know what's up. Next, we have Makoto Nanaya. Uh, again, a lot of heavy emphasis on the underboob, the underskirt animations. What else can I say? And last but not least is Lychee. 
Feiling. Heavy emphasis on the chest area uh, in almost every single animation. Like, I think it's even more so than nine. It's uh, it's there. It's, it's definitely there. A lot of uh, physics, if you will. So that's five. That's five characters out of 18, which equals to 27.7%. Let's round up to 28 of the female cast is somewhat over-sexualized in my eyes or has sex appeal or fan service of any sorts heavily featured in their design. So that's Blazewell. You know, 28%, not bad. Let's take a look at Guilty Gear Strive. That's the latest iteration of Guilty Gear. And that game has seven female characters, which is a really low number, but I guess the game just came out. Uh, and these are the ones that I deem to be over-sexualized. Biken, clearly we talk about her, the chest, major vocal point of the character design and the official art and the animations and the character design in-game. You know what's up. And Eno, my character. Look at her. She's so cool. Eno, yeah, you know, I think she's actually a little classier in this version than in previous versions, even though I think she's technically wearing less in Strive. Or no. No, she's wearing more in Strive. But it looks more revealing. But definitely a lot of sex appeal with Eno, both in animations and overall design. I know she's wearing the undershirt now. But come on, it's Eno. We know what she's about. She's very flirtatious in her outer appearance, animations especially. But uh, yeah, Eno and Biken are who I have. So that's two out of seven. So that's 28.5%. Let's round up to 29 of the female cast for Guilty Gear having strong tones of sex appeal or fan service in their design. Now, I know people would say like Jacko and Giovanna, but actually you might want to take a look at those animations again because or their character models because it's not as risque as you might think. Even Giovanna, like Giovanna's, if you look at her portrait and you look at some of her animations, they might seem risque, but uh, in motion, she's actually not as bad as people make her seem. I think that's a lot of the the fan art, to be honest, that gave both of those characters a bad rap. So, yeah. I, I think it's just Biken and Eno, in my opinion. Let's move on to Dead or Alive. So Dead or Alive, uh, the latest iteration for that is Dead or Alive 6, and it's been a series, obviously, for the past few years. It's been a prime example of sexy and fighting games. And the game has 17 female characters, not including the two KOF guest characters. And... These are the ones that I deem to be over-sexualized. And we have La Mariposa. You know, the issue with this costume in particular is that I can't really call it over-sexualized because it's kind of a classic uh, Lucha Libre style, like a wrestler style, right? So Mexican wrestler, at least I think. And there's not... Although, you know, there is emphasis on the chest with this one. And there are jiggle physics as there, there is with the entire game, right? The whole cast has jiggle physics, but it's universal in this game. But the outfit, even though it's traditional wrestlers or female wrestler style, of that variety at least, I guess it does help drive the point to the sexiness. So that's why I put La, La Mariposa there. Uh, next we have Tina Armstrong, and really she runs into the same issue. Tina has the the really good, actually a really great take on a female professional wrestler outfit. But 
again, there's emphasis on the chest along with, you know, she has moves. I think her throw is a butt slam, too. So, yeah, she it's not horrendous. Both of these characters aren't horrendous. And you could put them in the fringe of sexy because I guess every everybody in that game is sexy, even the men, but like the women, especially. Uh, I don't know. It's not horrendous, but just for argument's sake, those are the two characters that I deemed, I guess, if you want to say, quote-unquote, over-sexualized. Those are the ones that I pointed to. So that's really not bad. That's 2 out of 17, which I looked. That's 11.7%. Let's call that 12. Now, this one really surprised me because if you solely judge Dead or Alive 6 off of its default costumes and moveless and even its animations... And fighters like uh, Neo Tengu and Mary Rose and a couple of others, the game is actually pretty modest uh, for DOA standards and for fighting game standards. So even though I picked those two, I, they could be a wash. I could have picked none of them. And you could have had 0% here. But just for argument's sake, I, I blurred the lines a little bit. So... Let's take a look at the final game, I believe, here. Or no, we got two more. So let's take a look at the penultimate game. So this is uh, Soul Calibur VI, which is the final iteration for Soul Calibur. And this game has female 11 characters, not including the guest characters. And these are the ones that I deem to be the most over-sexualized ones. So we got Taki. You know, Taki's outfit in six is not super revealing, but it's slapped on so tight that it might as well be... She's like, poor girl can't breathe. Like, you can see everything in that latex or whatever that is. So you see the points of emphasis. No pun intended. Uh, Sophitia, right? Is that how you say it? Sophitia? How do you pronounce that? Sophie. I don't play Soul Calibur. Anyway, pretty large boob window with the webbing and everything. Uh, suplex move for her throw. Uh, Pretty, pretty lewd. Uh, she's a character that will trick you into thinking she's classy, but we know what's going on there. We know what's happening there. Uh, next one is Seong Mina. Every time she uh, swings that staff or spear that she's using, uh, there's much less coverage than one would think. So both on top and bottom, uh, you get to see a lot of her outfit. And uh, it's subtle, but it's there. It's there, like... She again, this is another character that will make you kind of feel that she's classier than she is, but uh, there's fan service there for, for sure. Uh, last but not least, of course, is Ivy, and I don't have to say much. I mean, it's Ivy, uh, she's we're lucky she's got on what she's got on, and it, it ain't much. So that's four out of 11, which is uh 36.3%. We'll round down to 36, and that's the highest percentage we've had so far out of this entire list. So let's see what the last fighting game here has. And this is a game that, you know, was brought up, the King of Fighters. And it's actually pretty apt because obviously the game is coming out soon, a few days. So let's talk about 15, right? It's going to be the latest iteration of the King of Fighters. So let's do that one. That game is going to have uh, 16 female characters, not including the season pass ones that we already know, which is just B. Janet. So I'm not including her because she's technically not in the game just yet, even though we have a trailer for her. Uh, but these are the ones that I deem 
the over-sexualized ones out of the base roster. So we got Mai, Shiranui. Uh, actually, Mai, is, I believe, is somewhat toned down in this game compared to some other versions of her. The boob physics aren't super crazy and over-the-top, like 13. They were nuts. Um, and she's not super revealing at every frame, but that outfit along with some of her animations and the idol stance especially, um, she's definitely marketing sex appeal, right? So Mai is still very much a, a fan service waifu fighter in my opinion. Shermi, uh, do I need to say more? Um, the outfit, the animations, it's just its just a lot to be honest. And, and the words of Pringle, he was saying, yo, Mac, she is way too thick. And I agree, this character is... Is sex appeal personified? Luong, Luong, similar to Shermie. I mean, just she's just less thick, but perhaps even more flirtatious. I mean, she has the boob window, the suggestive animations, the super, the wind pose. It's not leaving much of doubt as far as what her shtick is. It's we know what it is. Next, we have Dolores. I mean, what is that outfit? Uh, it's like someone at SNK just gave up. We were like, you know what? Just cover up the naughty parts and reveal the rest. Just let her rock. And listen, I like Dolores. I think she's cool, but she's not wearing much. I mean, have her turn around. Let me know if she's wearing anything. And last but not least, Angel. I know her name is Angel. I'm not saying Angel. I'm calling her Angel. Relax. SNK faithful. Uh, the woman is literally in her underwear. I know she's a wrestler. I know that's her outfit. But it's always been extremely revealing. I don't know. I never I never really liked this character. I think she's way too high on the fan service stuff. I'm not a huge fan service guy, but her animations, the just the whole character package with Angel. Not not for me and no difference here. She's definitely the the fan service sex appeal type of character. So that's 5 out of 16, 31.2%, round down to 31. Fairly high percentage, not as much as Soul Calibur, but pretty high. And uh, just under the third of the female cast in the game. Now, let's tally up these percentages, shall we? So in first place, from my perspective, of course, right? This is my opinion. Uh, the most fan servicey game currently out on the market, given these examples from the YouTube comments, are Soul Calibur with 36% of the female cast has some form of fan service. Uh, the King of Fighters, 15, 31%. Guilty Gear Strive, 29%. Blaze Blue Central Fiction, 28%, and Dead or Alive, a surprising 12%. That's for six. Dead or Alive, six. So let's rewind. Is the comment made by Lapice, which started this whole survey, is Blaze Blue just following suit in terms of fighting games' standard level of fan service? I have to say, looking at these stats, Yes, it's right on the average mark. Roughly a third of its female characters exhibit, exhibit some sort of fan service. So I suppose I stand corrected, right? I said it had a lot. It actually has average. I was going to say, you know, that's still a lot because that's a third. But then again, if it's a third, that means two thirds of its characters, its female characters, aren't oversexualized, which would put the oversexualized ones in the minority. So. It's not a lot. And you can just pick the ones that aren't if that's not your thing. So I think that's actually a good a good ratio. You know, one third is really sexy. Two thirds, a little more modest. 
I'm okay with that. Now, personally, where do I stand on fan service? You know, I like it in moderation. It can't be the face of the character, in my opinion. Like, I, it's not, I can't, I, you wouldn't see me playing Angel or Shermie. It's just not my thing. Um, now, will it deter me from playing a character? Sometimes. Uh, not unless I really like the character. I mean, case in point, Eno, right? I love Eno. Uh, she's not a character that you would see me playing very often, but I really like the character herself. So I'm okay bypassing. You know what? That she has plenty of fan service. Not my really my cup of tea, but I like the character enough to look past it. So yeah, it doesn't deter me from playing, but it's not my first go-to, I guess, as far as character picks. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I mean, I don't know. Am I a prude? Maybe, perhaps. But it's not like I don't want fan service in fighting games. That's fine. I just want other options. That's basically all I was, I think I was trying to say is that if, as long as I have options to not have, for every single Shermy in a KOF 15, for example, I want a Chizuru and I want an Elizabeth. If I can get that trade off, I'm cool. I'm straight. But that's pretty much it. I think a third, as far as the quote-unquote over-sexualized characters in fighting games is fine. And I stand corrected. Lapice, very good comment. You made me think. I appreciate that. I like our topic. But now we can finally move on to Hollywood Mail. Round three, Hollywood Mail. All right, Hollywood Mail, here we are. We got a few questions here. And we actually got some good ones. I like these questions this week. They're pretty good. First one comes from Patreon. Jam, of course, asks. Zio also asked one, but I'm not answering that one. Zio, get a better question. Stop annoying me with that one. Jam asks on Patreon, Mac, are you going to play Elden Ring with us? You know what? I was actually talking to my coworker about Elden Ring because he's a big Dark Souls fan. It looked cool. I'm not a huge Dark Souls guy, but I watched some trailers for Elden Ring. I was actually, hey, this actually looks pretty neat. Looks fun. Now, am I going to play it? Um, I don't know. Probably not right away. I, would, I need people to play games like this with, obviously. I can't play it alone because I just don't have as much fun. I don't know if my group of friends will play it. But, uh, hey, if Hollywood will play it, I know there's also Last Ark or Lost Ark. Shout out to Big Sword. He was talking about it. I, I watched some, some trailers for that. I know that's out currently. I'm not a big MMO guy. But... That could be cool, too. Uh, but yeah, Elden Ring looks neat. One thing I was talking about with my friend, about Elden Ring specifically, is the fact that the whole Dark Souls situation is... He was telling me that people are hacking Dark Souls games, and then they like are finding your IP or something. Elden Ring might have the same issue. So you have to play it offline. I don't know what's going on there. So, uh, like, people invade your game. I don't know much about From Software. Because I'm not a Dark Souls guy. But... If Elden Ring has the same issue, like, do I need to do I need to be wary of? I don't know what's happening there. So, um, the game itself looks cool. The guy all of a sudden materializes a horse and stuff, and he fights shit. That, I mean, it looked neat. So it is definitely up my alley. But um, the security issues is one. I hope hopefully they get that straightened. And two, I need people to play it with. 
So if we get some people to play, sure. Yeah, why not? It looks neat. Number two, Goofy on Discord. Shout out to FGC Hollywood. Uh, Goofy asks, what kind of character from a non-fighting game would translate into a decent fighting game archetype? This is a good one. A non... Let me read that again. A non-fighting game character would translate into a decent fighting game archetype. Hmm. One I would say... I've mentioned this before, but Samurai Jack would be really good as... You know, he's got a katana. He's honorable as most fighting game characters should be. He'd be fun in any game that features weapons. Obviously, Samurai Showdown would be a big one. It would make the most sense. But why not? Even Soul Calibur? Or you could put him in an anime game, right? Katana Wielder? So yeah, he could be like a mid-range Katana Wielder. Samurai Jack is sick. Why not Samurai Jack? Here's... You guys want to get like a... or This will date me, obviously. Here's a good one, though, in my opinion. Davis from Little Fighter 2. Who here knows what Davis is from Little Fighter 2? Anybody here play Little Fighter 2? Oh my god, I love Davis. He's sick. He wasn't my main. I played um, Fearson because, you know, he's OP. But Davis has a fireball, has an uppercut, a forward-moving kick, like a Tatsu, like an aerial kick. Stays in the pocket, fights his ass off. <laughs> he can combo. He's a true Shoto. Obviously, I'm pretty sure he was modeled after fighting game characters because he's kind of like a Ryu type. Although he can combo his uppercut like Ken. He goes like upper, upper, and then he gets on the ground and I think he does like a punch and he's upper, upper. Davis is sick from Little Fighter 2. Check him out. That's an old school reference right there. Yeah, I think those would be good. Nico Bellic? Who here played GTA 4? Nico Bellic? It would be great. A bruiser type? Come on, put him in any game and he's fun. I love Nico Bellic. He's he's hilarious. He's a fan favorite character. Why not? Give him a Roman assist? Oh my god, can you imagine? Put Nico Bellic in Guilty Gear Strive and give a whole new meaning to the Roman cancel. Fucking Roman shows up. Cousin, let's play bowling. And then he fucking launches a bowling ball at Eno's face. Oh my god, hilarious. That'd be awesome. Put Nico in Guilty Gear. <laughs> those would be my picks. I like I like, uh, I like, like those characters. Those are, those are cool. All right. The next one comes from Fokeo on Discord. And he asks, There have been a lot of acquisitions of game studios lately, such as Activision, Blizzard by Microsoft, Bungie by Sony, and so on and so forth. On the fighting game side, most notably have been Stakes and SNK, and recently Capcom by Saudi Arabia. I know some people really don't like that. Uh, who would Hollywood like to see invest into a fighting game developer? Is there someone who could invest significantly into a fighting game company that the broader FGC would approve of? What a loaded question. Who would invest in a fighting game that the broader FGC would approve of? Hmm. So you need a company that aligns with FGC-ish values, which, to be honest, are kind of changing anyway. Or, or you need one that would work 
from like a marketing standpoint and will cater to the FGC, at least I would hope, right? Or help grow it. I guess, see, no, it's not so much about like the company, but you need people. You need the right people to head the project. So you need, I'm trying to think, who, who would come to mind when it comes to investing into a fighting game the right way? Riot's already doing it with the Cannon Brothers. I guess they haven't really bought a fighting game. They're making their own IP, but similar to that. So you got, I don't know, I guess you got to think of who in the video game industry has made like really good stuff, like has a steady track record, quality games that they could turn into the fighting game space. The one that jumps into my head, I guess most, I guess because I just talked about Nico Bellic, right, is Rockstar Studios, which is owned by Take-Two. And they have like infinite money, a lot of talent, obviously. And they're used to making high quality games over there. But they're also used to making money. And fighting games don't really translate to money, at least not traditionally. Sometimes they will. But not very often, and I don't know if Rockstar is willing to take that chance. Maybe not them. Forget about Rockstar. So not I will not take two. I guess who else is really? Oh, I, I guess I mentioned them at the top of the show, right? Uh, how about Supergiant? Supergiant Games. That could be interesting, right? So think about this. On a, they're on a smaller scale, obviously, not as close as, as Rockstar. But Supergiant made Bastion, Transistor, Hades most recently. And like I said, I, I haven't played Pyre, but I heard Pyre is pretty good. But even though they're much smaller and they're their own publisher, they, they self-publish their own games. I don't think they'll have a fund to buy a studio and make them create a fighting game, but I think they could probably do it internally. Or I guess even if they wanted to invest in a small studio, they could. Some Someone like a la TFH, like Modus Games just picked up TFH. That could be cool. And, you know, create their own in, in-house team. They could also do that because they have the talent, obviously. So, yeah, I would say maybe Supergiant Games, they could do it. I mean, hell, I just brought up uh, Little Fighter 2. Give uh, Marty Wong a call. Oh, my God. This is what you do. You give Marty Wong a call because, I mean, he's already made, inspira- taken inspiration from fighting games, put in, put in Little Fighter 2, so he knows what he's getting into. Give him a call. He'll, make, he'll design the characters and give him a couple of uh, really good artists, although he can make his own art too. Give him some programmers to make the game. Get Mike Z on the project. Put some GGPO in there. Skullgirls level GGPO. Man, that'd be sick. Come on. Now I want that game. Super Giant, take on that challenge. Give Marty Wong a call. Give Mike Z a call. Get a staff together. Get your super giant team, your all-stars at Super Giant Games. Put them on there. They're so comfortable, right, making the, the top-down action-based game, right? Let's see if they can make a fighting game. 
They got the talent. Get out of your comfort zone. You, you clearly mastered the formula to how to make your type of game. Let's see if you can do a fighting game. That'd be cool. I think, I think a developer and a publisher on that scale, going a little more indie, like Modus Games did with Main 6, is the route you really want to look at. Not so much somebody like Microsoft buying whatever and now they make a fighting game. I don't think that's going to happen. And if it does happen, it's not, probably not going to be the fighting game that we all want. It might be a fighting game that some people want, a la you know, Mortal Kombat or whatever, but it's not really like a hardcore fighting game that uh, you want a fighting game that speaks to everybody, not to a small pocket. Or at least to speak to more than just a small pocket, which no offense to Mortal Kombat and Injustice, but it's not a fighting game series, either of them, that really translate in the same way that like Strive did, for example, Tekken, Street Fighter. So, yeah. Little Fighter. Is there a Little Fighter 3? I don't know. I want that game now. Marty? Mike? Supergiant? Get on that. Great question. All right. That's all we got for the questions now. We get to the Hollywood character player review. Been doing this for a few weeks now. What your character, what your fight, favorite fighting game characters say about you? This week's submission comes from In My Pants on Discord. Shoutouts to Pants. I like Pants. I talk to him every now and again in the Discord. He shows up. Big SNK fan. And uh, sometimes sus. Sometimes cool. Most of the time cool. But sometimes sus. Uh, this week's submission for his male characters. Read as such. So Kazuki from Sam Show. Duck King from Fiddle Fury. Wow, what a fucking reference. Uh, Takarashi from Virtua Fighter 2. Or just Virtua Fighter. Uh, Bartz from Final Fantasy Duocom 012. What the fuck is that? And Brian from Garo? Brian? Do you mean Kevin? <laughs> Yo, Pants, what's happening here? What is this? What a weird list. Okay, so Kazuki, he's the hot-headed guy, right? He's the pyrokinesis guy. He uh, does fire, I think. So he's the he's the crazy guy. Duck King, he's like the party guy, I think. Yeah, he's a party guy. He's like a chill, chill dude from uh, whatever, Fail Fury. Takarashi is like the sumo wrestler, right? He's a serious sumo wrestler. <laughs> Salt. Um, Bartz. I got no idea who Bartz is. What the hell is Final Fantasy Ducom? 012. Final Fantasy is whack. Uh... Okay, all right. I think he's like a warrior of some sort. I don't know. A knight? I don't I don't know. And Kevin is like a tough cop. Well, listen, first of all, you love SNK. Two, I mean, look at all this SNK. Sam Show, Fatal Fury, Garo. Um, so that's one. You love SNK stuff. Really obscure. But what on earth is this list? It's really obscure. It's like the most niche list I've ever read, ever. 
I hardly know any of these guys, especially the Bart's guy. But that's like Final Fantasy. That's not a... Is that a fighting game? Maybe I'm just... I'm not familiar. What a funny list. Brian? Who's Brian? You mean Kevin, right? What happened there, Pants? Pants. You mixed me up. Um, yeah, I have no idea what's happening in this list. What do your fighting games say about you? You like niche. Hella niche. So niche, I am speechless. Let's move on to the female list. So this one is a little bit better because I recognize these names. Darley Dagger, Sam Show, Whip, King of Fighters, Palm, Them's Fighting Herds, BB Hood, Vampire Savior, Darkstalkers, and Mira, Killer Instinct. Now that's a list right there. That's a great list. A list of terrifying women for different reasons with one outlier there, right? Palm, outlier. But Darley Dagger, crazy strong, right? She'll slash you up. <laughs> She's cool. I like Darley. Whip, all business, all the time. She literally whips you into shape, right? BB Hood is a psycho killer. I know Pringle really likes her. She's like evil. Uh, Mira is evil vampire lady, right? Blood. Yeah, she likes blood. Uh, the only outlier there is Palm, right? Palm wants nothing to do with fighting. She's really good at it, but she's not trying to fight anybody. She's trying to run away from fights. So I would say outside of Palm, you like terrifying women because you like living on the edge, I guess, with your with your lady picks. Man, that the the guy side of your picks threw me off, man. What happened there? But yeah, cool picks, pants. Sus. Sus male picks, but cool female picks. <laughs> Just like pants. All right. We got Dirk feature of the week. Check this out. His collar's right here. The Dirk Dirk. I miss him every day. The Dirk feature of the week goes to somebody who is hella cool every week that I shout out because I think they're sick. Dude, shout outs to the Spectrum guy. From last week, they hooked up my internet. That dude's a beast. He went through hoops trying to get these wires up in the ceiling and the, the basement. He had to go outside, and there was like a million cables up there. And he cut and spliced, and he got all together. That dude's name was uh, Milan, like the city. And he was sick. He was in and out. It took him like an hour. What a professional. That dude's a beast. I'll never see him again. He'll never listen to this podcast, but just, just so you know, Milan, you're a real one. You're a real one. You did a really good job. Spectrum came, you know, when I first got them, they started off shaky. I was like, uh-oh, already? But now it's been good? You know, knock on wood. Uh, Yeah, that's fake wood. And, yeah, that dude's a champ. So, so far, so good. I've been enjoying my wired life. It's been great. And that's it, y'all. So what do we miss? Um, not much. Everybody's playing Yu-Gi-Oh. At least most people in Hollywood are playing Yu-Gi-Oh right now. I'm not on that bandwagon, I gotta say. I like old school Yu-Gi-Oh, but I don't feel like playing it at the moment. I know you can play like uh, different versions of Yu-Gi-Oh in that new game. It's on everything. It's on iPhone. It's on PC. Uh, new school Yu-Gi-Oh is not my thing. It's kind of cheap. Not that old Yu-Gi-Oh wasn't cheap, but it was. I felt that it was like less cheap less of the time whereas like new Yu-Gi-Oh is fucked up I just gotta watch the guy like draw 800 cards and then I die in a turn nah man 
Where's the honor? Where's my blue-eyes white dragon? Where's my dark magician? My pot of greed. Nostalgia. The boomer cards, man. Uh, Lust Ark looks cool. I already mentioned that. Sifu looks cool. I want to try it Sifu. Looks pretty neat. Um, unfortunately, I'll be on the road for the next three weeks to a month. So, won't be won't be a lot of gaming happening on my end, but um, at least that's the last trip that I'll be going out on the road for, for quite some time. Until I take some vacation, maybe. And yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much all we missed, I think, that I didn't mention on the podcast. Uh, on the horizon, you know, like I mentioned before, FGC Hollywood is going to go through some changes. We're going to stream the podcast. We'll return in a month, better than ever, co-host. We'll have Broken Wing with me every two weeks. We'll have, hopefully, a rotating third seat. Who knows? Big Sword? Pants? Maybe somebody new? Come on, FGC Hollywood. Good things to come. More content. I want to do more things, especially once this road trip comes back. Um, once my mood lifts. Yeah. Things are looking up. I got internet. I got good things happening soon, TM. Persona's coming out March 17th. Don't you forget. So, yeah, that should be fun. But anyway, that's pretty much all I have for FGC Hollywood. A Fighting Game Podcast episode 47. Thank you very much for people listening on the audio platforms. Thank you very much for people listening on the YouTubes. Thank you for our patrons for supporting the show. Thank you for everybody else. It says nice things, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, y'all. Until we come back in March, it's gonna be a while. I know. There's plenty of other fighting and podcasts out there. I will be stepping away for about a month. I'll be back, better than ever. Until then, you know what to do. Keep it classy. Stay cool. Play some fighting games. Hug your mom, and I'll see you later. Peace.